Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. My name is Marcus, and I am one of the pastors here at City Church. You can go ahead and turn with me, if you haven't done so already, to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Now, if today is your first day here at City Church, I want to say first off, welcome. So glad you guys could be here. So glad you could be here. We are going through the book of Matthew slowly and methodically. And last week, Jesus began to show us that the laws in the Old Testament weren't meant to just be rules to kind of check off. Right? They were not meant to be checked off by obeying them, but rather that they were meant to set us on a path towards the way we were supposed to be living all, the, all along. And what he's going to do for the next couple of weeks is show us uh, uh, how that works specifically in areas of our life. And for today, we're going to be talking about anger, everybody's favorite topic, right? Um, but more on that in a little bit. Before we get started, I want to say this, because it's, it's been a minute since I've taught. So I wanted to take the time to mention that, hey, if you are feeling anything in this sermon, Like, if this sermon is resonating with you, if the Spirit um, is kind of leading you, feel free to say amen. I know that's silly, but like, feel free to say amen. I grew up in a church environment where that was always the case. People just got into the sermon, they just felt it, they felt the Spirit moving, and they were just into it. So I want to give you that freedom today. I want to give you that freedom today to, to get into the sermon. Don't worry about people, you know, to your left or to your right. Don't worry about those, those guys. Like, if the Spirit is leading, just make sure you follow. Just make sure you follow. And the reason I say that, here, here, here's the reason. One, when you get into the sermon, you are freely expressing what the Spirit is confirming in the sermon. And for me, it's saying, hey, what I'm saying is actually decent. It's okay. Like, it seems like the Spirit is actually working in the sermon. And two, when you say amen, or when you clap, or even when you snap your fingers, I see you art majors out there, if you snap your fingers, some of y'all snapped, it signals to other people around you, especially those who are new, that, hey, this is actually some good stuff that you actually need to pay attention to. So yeah, feel that freedom, fam. Don't worry, feel that freedom. All that to say, like we said at the top, we are going to see what Jesus has to say about anger which, again, might not be the most get-in-your-feelings sort of sermon, but I do think it is a good one to say amen to. Amen? Love it. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Now, as a quick aside, um, this will be the last detour, I promise. As a quick aside, I want to go ahead and confess uh, first, uh, uh, so when you get to your life groups this week or when you talk to uh, your friend or, anybody, or anyone about the sermon, I will give you the gift of going second. For me, anger is something I know all too well. Um, I feel that tug towards it more often than not. I often describe it to my wife or people in my life group as a warm hug that I somehow don't want to get rid of. 
And yes, that sounds as weird as it does. Um, matter of fact, there was an instance in life group. Uh, one time we had a few people over to our house, and we were playing board games, uh, which is a lot of fun. And one of the guys was trying to play a joke on me. And it was just a joke, like nothing too serious about it. I totally was like in my feelings, but like he, he put something in my milk. And if you know me, no one, no one messes with my milk. I'm just going to let you know that up front. And so, yeah, so again, it was a joke. It was, it was supposed to be all good. But for whatever reason, I took it personal. Just like the Michael Jordan meme, I took it personal. And, and it was just, it was a lot for me. And I almost went to bed very upset. My wife was like, hey, you need to like text everyone because they saw you upset about it and all that. And I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't do that. And then the spirit was like, hey, your wife said it, and now I'm going to say it. You need to text you. And I was like, okay, spirit, okay, okay. So I texted them, apologized, confessed it to them, confessed my anger, um, and we were good. Now, that's a silly example, but still, I was in my feelings, and I was upset and angry. Um, another example. So I work full-time at UT as a graphic designer. Go Vols. Go Vols. There it is. I knew I'd get some of you. Um, anywho, so I work at UT, and I get feedback on my designs. And one such feedback kind of left me in a tussie, if you know what that word is, a tussie. And I was just really in my feelings. I was really in my feelings towards my boss and my coworker. And again, after some time, the Holy Spirit just kept messing with me. He was messing with me. Um, he kept prodding, kept poking, saying, hey, you need to talk to your boss and your coworker about this. You don't need to be upset about this. You don't need to be angry towards them about this. So eventually I listened. It took a while, but I actually confessed to my coworker and my boss about it. Um, yeah, and, and we have been good ever since. Now, let me say this. The Lord has done considerable work, considerable, considerable work in showing me where I am off and helping me to repent of my anger. But be that as it may, because of my tendency towards anger, I have a lot of room to grow. I have a lot of room to grow. So hearing what Jesus has to say on this topic of anger, personally, it has my attention and if you're in the same boat as me, if you struggle with anger, if that is something that you typically go towards, hopefully he will have your attention as well. So with that being said, with the longest intro in City Church's history, let's go ahead and kick it off. Matthew 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone, somebody say everyone, who is angry with his brother. How many of you have been angry at your brothers? You don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand. I know, you, I know you've been angry. Uh, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus is coming with it today, in case you did not know it. So he starts off with, you have heard that it was said to those of old which is a typical uh, intro when someone wanted to quote the law and the prophets, what we would call the Old Testament today. And he goes on to say, hey, you shall not murder, and that whoever does so will be liable to judgment. 
So this first part, you shall see, uh, it actually comes from Exodus 20, verse 13, this part that says, do not murder. So this is where God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. Now, I don't think Jesus is throwing anyone in the audience for a loop, right? Like, they all know and we all know that murder is just not a good look. Not a good look at all. Even for someone who has a tendency towards anger, like myself, I'm like, hey, bruh, Jesus, I totally get it. I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. I am on board. Like, I don't want those kinds of problems. I don't want this on my resume, right? So Jesus starts out with something that everyone, everyone can get on board with. And then he continues. He says, but, you got to love Jesus, right? But, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So Jesus, Jesus just tells him, hey, it's great that you don't murder. I'll give you a golf clap for that one. I'll give you a golf clap for that one, but I'll go one step further. And I'll say, if you are angry with your brother, then you will be liable to the same judgment as if you had murdered someone. Did y'all catch that? See, if I, if I were in that audience, if I were in the audience with Jesus, I would have been like, hold up, Jesus. Hold up. You're telling me that if I am angry with my brother, it's the same as murder? No. No, surely not. Not you, Jesus. Not my Jesus. No, not at all. Really? But, but for real? And Jesus actually, he's like, yes, I said what I said. I said what I said. So it looks like we have a lot of unpacking to do with this, right? And on the front end of that unpacking, let's go ahead and define anger so we're all on the same page. For for us here, we would say that anger is a feeling that comes over our minds and bodies when, from our perspective, something is not as it should be. Anger is a feeling that comes over our minds and our bodies when, from our perspective, something is not as it should be. Now, there are all types of anger, both good and bad. And I'm sure many of you have experienced some form or another of these. There's anger of a wounded ego, right? How dare you say that to me? There's anger towards injustice, like the verdict this week on the killing of Breonna Taylor, or where we get angry over those who don't have a voice, or those that have a voice and are oppressed or treated differently because of it. There's anger when you find out someone is talking behind your back. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it is a friend. There's anger at yourself, Maybe you made a mistake on a paper just recently and you're kicking yourself about it. Or maybe you just really messed up at work. We've all been there. There's anger from triggers of emotional pain. There's anger when you think your professor is treating you unfairly, when your boss is treating you unfairly. There's anger when you think you deserve something someone else got parents in the room. There's anger when your kids do that thing that you ask them not to do for the millionth time. And then they say, hey, actually, I'm going to do it two more times just to make you more upset. But again, all of those are emotional responses we have when, we, uh, uh, when something from our perspective is not as it should be. So there are all types of anger, 
all types. And while some of us in the room tend to gravitate towards uh, uh, anger more readily, I want us to see that anger is something that we all experience on some level or another. And to kind of drive this uh, point home so you don't try to weasel your way out of it thinking, oh, this isn't me. I don't get angry, Marcus. That is, I just, that is not my thing, so I will go ahead and play some Pokemon Go. Let me give you two opposite but equal ways people actually deal with these types of anger we talked about. Now, for some of us, our anger is external and very obvious, right? When we get angry, everyone knows that we're angry. Our voice gets a little louder. Anger is really, it's just right here. It's all over our face, right? It's the obvious. For others of us, our anger tends to be more silent and deadly. This is typically me. Sometimes you don't even realize that you're angry. And oftentimes, that can lead to bitterness or resentment, and, and as well, on top of that, it can come out in a more passive-aggressive or, sar- or sarcasm kind of way. And then still for others, we honestly do both. We do both depending on the situation and how angry we are. So, so there is obvious apparent anger, and then there's sneakier internal resentful anger. And for today, Jesus is warning against both of those. He is warning against both of those, and really any and all of it. Um, Now, if you've been in church world for any amount of time, you know that Jesus himself actually gets angry. And if you are new to church, and that doesn't sound like Jesus, like, really, Jesus got angry? Yes, yes, fam, he did. He did get angry. But hear me say, like, he never, he actually never got angry for selfish reasons. He was always angry towards injustices or slights towards other people. On one such occasion, don't try this at home, Jesus actually goes straight WWE and decides to flip a table because he's so angry at injustices being done in his father's house, in God's house. So how could Jesus say that that anger is wrong when he himself actually got angry? Well, let's dive a little bit deeper. There are two words in the Greek um, that are translated anger in English. The first is thumos. Can everyone say thumos? Wow. Well done. It's good. Uh, think a quick flare-up. It's, it's when you're cut off in traffic. We've all been there. Uh, we probably cut people off in traffic. Um, or when your friend does something annoying, right? Uh, uh, now, this isn't the type of anger that Jesus is talking about here, but there's real anger associated here. Real anger. And typically, it only lasts for like a few minutes tops. Now, the second word that translates to Greek for us is orgosesai. Can everyone say? Joking. I'm not going to make you say that. Um, so orgosesai is, is when you have residing anger. And this, this is the type of anger that Jesus is talking about here. You're either staying angry or you're just always angry. It's less like a one-time event and more like someone uh, uh, likes to keep receipts, right? Like someone likes to keep receipts for days or for weeks. If that's you, you probably tend to replay events kind of over and over again in your head. Maybe like me, you hang on to anger like a warm hug. Still sounds weird. Um, Or you could be just the nursing the grudge type. Either way, as you can imagine, this type of anger, this orgosesai, can actually be very toxic. In both groups of people, those who show outward anger and inward anger can lean this way. So in many ways, we can read this passage like this. 
But I say to you, everyone who holds grudges or everyone who harbors anger toward his brother or those inside your community will be liable to judgment. And just when you thought Jesus was done, like, man, Jesus, that's, that's a tough saying. I really need to pray on that. I really need to think on it. Let me, let me go apologize to my brother, to my sister, to my other brother, maybe to my cousin, to my mom. You know, like I'm apologizing to everyone. Just as you're like thinking through that and trying to pray through that, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to let you finish. But second half of verse 22, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus continues with, Whoever insults his brother, or whoever says you fool, will be liable to counsel into the hell of fire. Now, what he's getting out here is that our language is often really revealing of our anger. It's really revealing of our anger. And any time you use language that insults or that slanders or denigrates another person out of anger, that is, that's what he's talking about. And today, it would be like saying something like, I can't stand you. Or, man, they are just so frustrating, man. I just don't like them. Or you can scale it up a notch and say something like, you effing idiot. Or you're such a dummy. But I don't need to worry about y'all, right? Y'all don't say those things. Y'all have never, (laughs) no, y'all haven't said those things. Um, As followers of Jesus... We are being called to not do those things. We say this often around here at City Church, but each of you are human beings with souls. There is inherent dignity, inherent uh, value and worth that is placed upon you because you are image bearers of God. So, so when Jesus says, don't reduce someone down to an insult, he really does mean it because of that. Because the more you reduce someone down, the more you uh, uh, tear someone's reputation down, the more you do that, the more you are stripping them of value. The more you are stripping away the image of God from how you view them. I don't know if you've ever um, thought about it like this, but our country is divided as it is because people go down this route. Because people have gone down this route and have refused, refused to actually deal with bitterness and contempt in their lives. See, when you get to the point where you are calling people names, there is a certain bitterness and resentment that accompanies your language. You you use biting language to express an inner contempt. And Jesus says, hey, hey, fam, don't, don't go down that route. It's, it's not a good look. He also says, if you allow anger to lodge into your being, if you allow anger to, to take a foothold into your life, you will be liable or responsible to the hell of fire. Now, that last one, the hell of fire, is a loaded statement, um, but for today's purposes, let's, let's sort of check this out. Notice how he says nothing about the future. 
If you look at that verse, he says nothing about the future. Sure, there are future implications, but nothing about it references actually the future. It's very present tense. So to me, it would seem that this is referencing more the hell in the here and now than actually than in the future. And here's the idea. In the Bible, hell is a literal future reality for those that don't follow Jesus. And at the same time, it's going to insist that your internal future, in many ways, is just a continuation of the life that you have chosen in the here and now. So, basically put, how you run your race in this life will have a direct reflection of how life will be like after your race is done. That's why Paul says, run your race, fam. That's paraphrased. He didn't say it exactly like that. But you know what I'm saying. You, you don't stop running when you get saved. No. You, that, that's not a thing. You keep running so you can look more and more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit's help. And if you don't want to do things God's way in the here and now, now, what makes you think that you're going to want to do things God's way in the life to come? Just to be clear, heaven is a place where God's will is done 100% of the time. So if right now, if, you're, uh, if your inclination is to, to fight and to reject everything God's will, uh, everything, sorry, everything about God's will for your life, heaven will not be the place for you. See, people who end up in hell, I believe, would not enjoy the kingdom of heaven. Not at all. So it's not so much that God actually sends people to hell, as much as it is that we have free will, we have a decision to either pick up our cross every single day or not pick up our cross every single day. Will I be about God's kingdom today or will I be about my kingdom today? Will I care about what God cares about or will I care about what I care about? Now, to be sure, there is definitely some overlap, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about a direct contrast to God's way of flourishing. And here's, here's how it connects. Undealt with anger can actually create a living hell. Undealt with anger can actually create a living hell. And it does that because when you have this residing or uh, burning anger, you can't stop thinking about it. If you've ever dealt with bitterness or resentment or anything like this, you know this. You, you can't go more than a couple of hours without thinking about whatever has upset you. It burns within you. Within you. It consumes your entire thought process. So how do we actually deal with this sort of anger? How do we healthily move on from uh, this type of anger that Jesus is talking about? Well, thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us in the dark, and he actually hits us with this in verse 23. It says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, now, bringing your gift to the altar was an ancient form of worship, uh, bringing a sacrifice of some sort to the altar, um, right? And so, in other words, we can read it as, if you are headed to a gathering, say the 930 uh, gathering today, or about to take communion, or even about to hang out with your life group, and... 
there remember that your brother has something against you. So if your brother or someone in your community has something against you, uh, if they are irritated or upset, verse 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Go. First, somebody say first for me. Be reconciled to your brother. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Then do that. Now pay close attention. After all of this teaching about the danger of anger, we would expect Jesus to say, so therefore, if if you're angry at your brother, go and deal with it, right? And we are called to do that elsewhere in the Bible for sure, but that's not what Jesus says here. He says, if you realize your brother is angry at you, he flips it. Why? Why does Jesus tell us here not to just deal with our own anger, but actually to preemptively deal with our brother's or sister's anger? Well, I think it's because he wants us to be so on guard, to be so on guard, to, to be so aware of the damaging impact of anger that we address it even when we see it in our brother's or sister's heart, not just in our own. Jesus has such a high view of community that he says, don't even, don't even worship. Don't come to worship if, if you know your brother or sister is angry with you. Instead, leave your gift at the altar. Leave your gift here. It means that you've probably already come here. So leave. He says, go. Be reconciled. Be reconciled and then come back. See, we, we should see our vertical worship of God as having a horizontal component. And I would say that's actually our first application when dealing with anger. If you like to write things down, number one, pursue reconciliation. Pursue reconciliation. Emphasis on pursue. Jesus says this is, the first and form, this is first and foremost before you do anything else. Don't come and worship before uh, uh, you and your brother are good. And then after you have come and worship, and then after you have done that, you can come and worship God. If you are praying at night, the same thing applies. Because it's a form of worship. If you're going to life group, same thing applies. Form of worship. Be reconciled to your brother first. Be reconciled horizontally and then come and worship vertically. Because burning anger is a big deal, church fam. Whether on your end or on their end, it's, it's not good for anyone. It creates unnecessary bitterness and unnecessary pain. So don't go through the motions of worshiping God when there is something off between you and another follower of Jesus. God would rather you make things right between you and your brother, your sister, your community first than he would you uh, ignore the situation to come and to pretend to worship. Because that's not true worship. You feel me? Now, as we all know, that's easier said than done, right? (laughs) Because if you've ever walked up to someone that was upset with you, Right? Oh, y'all, y'all not hearing me today, huh? Uh, let, me, let me flip it for you. Let me flip it for you. 
if you've ever been upset at someone, we've all been upset at someone, right? Who's the last person that you, that you want to see, right? Like they irritated you in some kind of way, for real, for real. And now you're angry and upset at them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I ain't got to keep this going. Uh, when my wife and I uh, get into arguments or when she says something that just makes me angry, I tend to, I tend to be that type of way. Uh, frustrated to the point that not only will I not talk, fam, not only will I not talk, but when she asks me, hey, are, you, are we good? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Girl, what you, what you talking about? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. It's all we good. Kind of reminds me of the meme with the dog. I don't know if you've seen that meme with the fire and stuff. Uh, that's me when I'm angry, except the fire is actually, you know, the fire is my anger in that situation. You could pull it up. You got your phones. I don't have to show you. Uh, but if you are like me in that, think about how the other person might feel. Do you think that they're actually in a space to worship? Like, do you think they're actually feeling what's happening? No, they're, they're still thinking about what you did. Especially if you beside them, you know they're thinking about it. If this were your brother, your sister, your community, this, this isn't something that just gets swept under the rug. If there is real beef or real conflict, then worshiping God might look like how I do it when I'm angry. You try and sing, but you, you still got this. You got that furrowed brow. You know, you're still a little upset. Like you just bobbing your head, but you mad. So, so how do you approach someone that, that is upset at you? Well, as I mentioned before, when I'm angry at my wife, um, typically she is so in tune with the spirit that any time that I am upset with her, she addresses it head on. She, she just goes for it. She doesn't want any strife. She doesn't want any beef. She doesn't want nothing between us. And she does it all in humility. It's so beautiful to watch. No matter the situation, she listens to my feelings and always, always apologizes. Even if she's not truly in the wrong. She always wants to be reconciled. And I think for many of us, no matter how much wrong we feel like we have committed, even if there is no wrong that, that we truly foresaw, which is not always the case, I think for us, we should model this type of behavior and walk in humility. Walk in humility. Be the first one to reach out. Go, as Jesus says, be reconciled. We should see it as our responsibility to do this. Just like words and actions matter when you made your brother upset, they matter on the other side as well. Truly apologizing and reconciling heals many wounds. Don't, don't, let, don't let your anger go by the wayside. Don't let the sun go down. Because anger, it, it will consume you. It, it will consume you 
more often than not, especially if you let it slip. Because if you let anger slip, if you let anger uh, not be addressed, it's going to be easier and easier as time goes by to allow it to lodge into your hearts. Hear me say to church fam, the earlier we deal with anger, the better. Because then, then our hearts will be pure. Then we can come back and worship truly. Then we can not be putting up a front in church. So the first application is pursue reconciliation. The second application starts in verse 25. It says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge. Oh, goodness. And the judge to the guard. Oh, man. And you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Here's application number two. Pursue reconciliation quickly. Emphasis on the quickly part. Do everything possible to settle as quickly as you can. Make every effort. There are levels to being a peacemaker, and I believe that this is one of them. And as we've read before, and I'm sure many of you have read before, blessed are the peacemakers. Make peace with your family quickly, fam. Paul says something similar in Romans 12, 18. I think it's going to be on the screen. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Somebody say peaceably. With who, fam? Who does he say it with? With who? Yeah. With all. Now, hear me say, I get that we're all broken sinners in need of grace. We won't get this peace thing right all the time. And also, don't let that stop you from living peaceably with all. It doesn't negate the scripture, right? The scripture is still true. This is, this is no time for pride. Oh, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right. They're wrong. Shoot. They better come to me. <laughs> don't get wrapped up into your feelings. Don't let your feelings stop, stop you from obeying Jesus. I said it too fast. I'll say it one more time for you. Don't let your feelings don't let your pride stop you from obeying Jesus. Because your feelings, they're going to do that. Hear me say that. I'm, I'm prime example number one. Your feelings will stop you from obeying what Jesus says in the scriptures. Not just here, all over, obviously, but specifically here. When you get in your feelings, it's a real thing. But hear me say, the alternative is way more costly than trying to pursue peace quickly. Now, some of you in the room are listening right now, and you're like, okay, I get that. I get what you're saying, Marcus. Like, I'm tracking with you. I'm on board with you. But 
You don't understand my situation. Oh, yeah, see? I, I knew y'all were saying that in your heads. It, it's more complicated than what you're saying, Marcus. I, I truly am in the right, and they are the worst. <laughs> I think that hit somebody today. And hear me say, if anyone gets that, if, if anyone in this room gets that, it's me. Again, warm hug. I like to wrap it up. That, that is me, fam. And guess what? I would still be in the wrong now, to be sure, there are situations where, where being at peace means being at a distant peace. <laughs> but make no mistake about it, Jesus is still saying to be at peace. So while it may be tough, it should still be a thing to fight for. But why, Marcus? Actually, that's, that's my like, internal monologue for y'all. But why, Marcus? Why should I fight for this level of peace? Why in the world should I take it upon myself to reconcile with somebody when they are the primary or only ones in the wrong? Why should I make myself, or why should I make something that wasn't my fault my responsibility? To which I would say, because of the gospel, fam. Because of the gospel. The reason we make reconciliation our responsibility even when conflict wasn't our fault, is because Jesus made our sin his responsibility, even though it wasn't his fault. See, when we were enemies of God, Jesus reconciled us. We were at fault, and yet and still, he came down from heaven. Listen, Jesus left the right hand of God to come clean up our mess. I mean, that was a pretty sweet spot he was at, right? Right hand of, like, man, like he was just chilling up there. He was good. And then he came down to deal with us. Hmm. The ultimate transgression, the ultimate wrong. And Jesus said, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming to make that peace quickly. Isaiah 53, one of the most vivid depictions of the gospel in all the scriptures, it says this. Surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Somebody say healed. Yeah, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, if, if God approached conflict with us the way we so often approach conflict, there would never be reconciliation between us and God. 
There just wouldn't be. If God sat back and said, well, shoot, hey, it's their fault. They need to come to me. We would, we would be stuck in our sin forever. I'm just going to let you know that. Instead, what God did was that he took it upon himself to send Jesus to pursue reconciliation and to pursue it quickly with us. Though it was not his fault, he made it his responsibility. And so as a response to that, that right there, because of the gospel, we are called to reflect that in our own lives. We are called to image God, church fam. That's what we're called to do. When there is conflict, when there is tension, when there is division between us and another follower of Jesus, we do everything in our power to see it reconciled. Everything we can do. So here's, uh, here's how I want to close this. Here's how I want to close this. If you've got your Bibles, bulletins, journals, <clears throat> all that fun stuff, go ahead and put those Put those away. Um, and if you have your phone, actually, I want you to take that out. I'm sure many of you have phones. I want you to go ahead and take your phone out. We'll get to that in a moment. I'm sure you're wondering, like, what? Why, why am I taking my phone out? That's weird. Um, I want us to spend a moment asking and honestly answering a few questions. Um, and, yeah, once you've got all your stuff except your phone, I want you to just kind of pray through these uh, simple questions. Number one, is there currently any anger between me and another follower of Jesus? Is there currently any anger between me and another follower of Jesus? Is there any tension, any awkwardness um, present between us and others because of something uh, we actually haven't dealt with? Number two, what am I doing about it? What am I doing about it? Have I done everything within my power to reconcile with them, to make things right? If I have and, and they're just not responding or anything up, like if they're not just, you know, hitting me back with those texts, um, then this is a perfect opportunity to pray to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit can work, right? To pray to the Holy Spirit to actually open their eyes, to open their hearts to respond. But if not, here's, here's what I want you to do. We're going to give you the opportunity to do just that. Number three, do I remember how God relates to me? Do I remember how God relates to me? If you feel this, this massive pull to want to avoid dealing with this, I'm sure many of us can feel that, right? What is it about the good news of Jesus that you might be forgetting what are you forgetting, fam? Ben, you can actually come on up. Um, just like Jesus said, if, if God's people are getting ready to worship and they realize that, hey, things are not okay between me and another follower of Jesus, then, then we need to stop everything that we're doing. We need to stop immediately. And we actually need to go and be reconciled. And then come back to worship. Leave the altar. Don't sing. <laughs> Go. 
So it would be silly for us, right? It would be very silly for us to just transition into, you know, a time of worship. It'd just be very silly without examining to see if we're actually taking Jesus' instructions seriously or not. So, before we, you know, get started celebrating Jesus for making things right between us and him, let's also examine whether things are right between us and others. So I want us to take some time, I want us to pray through this, and then, uh, um, is it still up? Good. Um, Yeah, I want us to to take some time to pray through this. And if there's anyone, anyone that comes to mind, someone you're angry with or someone who is angry with you, even if you suspect that they're angry at you for something, I want you to use your phone, the phone that you got out for me. I want you to text them. Set up a time this week. Set up a time today. Be reconciled. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's an (laughs) ex-friend. A roommate. Maybe it's a spouse. Shoot, maybe you don't even need to text them. Maybe they're in the room right now. But you're a little nervous about, you know, grabbing somebody in the room. Well, no worries. Again, you got your phone out. Text them and say, hey, meet me out in the lobby. Meet me out back. Maybe not out back, but meet me, you know, meet me in the... (laughs) Sounds like you're about to mug them or something. Meet me me in the lobby. Meet me near the bathroom, something like that. Not out back, not out back. But let's make that happen right now. Don't let pride get to you, fam. Walk in humility. Walk in humility and apologize. Don't let this moment slip away from you. This is the moment. Don't let it slip away from you. Be reconciled. And then, then once you have dealt with it as best as you can, again, sometimes people don't respond to texts, Then come back and celebrate the gospel. See, I I don't want us to be a church that just celebrates the gospel in theory. I want us to be a church that, that celebrates it in practicality. Let's take uh, the reconciliation that, that Jesus has made possible through the cross and let's offer it readily and quickly and freely to one another so that we can find freedom from this burning of anger. Church fam, I'm going to give you a few seconds, maybe a few minutes even, to go through these questions, to think through these questions. If, if you know people, if, if the Spirit is leading, if, if people are coming to mind, text them. Text them now. If you need to walk out, don't worry about anyone. This is you and the Spirit. This is you and the Spirit. This is you obeying Jesus right now. Again, don't let pride, 
Don't let pride stop you from obeying Jesus. Let's take some time. Let's, let's pray through this. Let's let the Spirit work, and then I'll pray at the end. Um, Lord, gosh, man, you're so good to us. You've been so good to us, Lord. When it wasn't your fault, you came down from from glory, you came down from the right hand of God, and, and you came to to die for our sins, to reconcile us back to the Father. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Um, Lord, I pray for this reality, the reality of the gospel to to really work in our church fam. To to work in each and every one of us, Lord, to the point to where we want to go out of our way, Lord. To go out of our way to want reconciliation between our brothers and sisters. Spirit work, let that be true of us, Lord. Remind us of it constantly, Lord. Lord, and when we find it very hard to listen, Lord, help us. Help us through that. Help us to be be reconciled with our brothers and sisters and then Help that that next worship time to be so on point.
to be so good. Lord, we we thank you for your love, your love for us, your patience for us. Man, your patience for us, Lord. We thank you so much. In your name I pray, amen.